What is critical creativity? To Dan Ryder and Amy Braval, critical creativity is students using creative expression to demonstrate deeper thinking and the nuances of understanding content. It is a portmanteau of sorts, which has the potential to turn ideas into action and push your students toward deeper learning and meaningful understanding. Dan and Amy believe that when students make connections, transform knowledge, and articulate reasons behind their creative choices, learning becomes more sticky, meaningful, and authentic. Articulation of creative reasoning is key because as students learn the power of explanation, rationale, and intentionality, they shift from passive pupils along for the ride to active drivers of their own learning. And the best part of this shift is that it occurs in the midst of purposeful play. Hi, I'm Lisa Hollenbach, and I'm your host this week for Teach Talks, a podcast from your friends and colleagues at Teaching Channel. Today, I'm chatting with the brilliant and creative Dan Ryder. High school English teacher by title, idea wrangler, design thinker, improviser, and educator by practice, Dan has taught nearly 20 years at Mount Blue Campus in Farmington, Maine. His students run WickedFocus.com, a real-world scholars EdCore classroom-based 3D printing company that makes fidgets for students with stress and anxiety. He directs and performs improv comedy, is an ambassador for Flipgrid, works with Savenzo.org, He is a member of the Apple Distinguished Educator Class of 2017 and is a 2017 recipient of the ACTEM Achieve Award, which is Maine's ISTE-affiliated recognition for contributors to educational technology in Maine. Um, And Dad is also a real good friend of mine. Uh, Dan can be found on Twitter at Wicked Decent, and he's co-author with Amy Braval of the book Intention, Critical Creativity in the Classroom from EdTech Team Press. Um, And that book is what we're here to talk about today. So Dan, tell us, how did this work begin? Well, that's a fantastic question. I might also note that I've understood that the best way to answer questions on podcasts is to respond first with, that's a fantastic question. (laughs) These are things I have learned. Um, It's a good strategy. Right, extensive podcast listening. Uh, so everything started uh, with Amy Burval and I meeting at uh, South by Southwest EDU, oh, four or five years ago now. Um, it was like the best uh, bad Mexican food uh, luncheon ever. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind of uh, a kismet. I had been uh, admiring her work from afar and uh, I didn't realize that's who was being invited to lunch with a, with a bunch of us. And uh, then I'm sitting there talking to her uh, at lunch, and I'm, then I'm realizing who I'm talking to. <laughs> and we just, like, we, but we hit it off. And since that lunch, we have been in constant contact and sharing ideas back and forth through Twitter and uh, Instagram and uh, emails and text messages and 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 um so all that culminated uh, about a year and a half ago well, maybe i guess it's closer to two years now um of us deciding to pitch a book to um uh, ed tech team press and they took the pitch they said let's do it and we said okay wow so we put together this book of 
uh, ideas that, that she and I have worked out together, things that we've both done in our own classrooms, things that we've collaborated on, and some brand new ideas that just kind of came out of our collaborating. Um, things that hadn't existed before that we were just like, oh, wait, you know what would be cool if? And that's kind of how all of our conversations start. So, um, yeah, and it's, and, and now there's a book of it and it's fantastic and we're so, we're so happy with it and we're so excited and the response has been great and it came out looking exactly like we envisioned it. So big thanks to EdTech Team Press for like taking a chance on a down on his luck scallywag from the rough hills of Maine or a nearly, at the time, nearly 40-year-old <laughs> balding educator uh, from a uh, regionalized rural school district. <laughs> One of those two things. Uh, but it was great. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And, uh, and working with Amy is, is always exciting and always unique. And, and every day we, we chit-chat back and forth and we come up with another half a dozen notions and maybes and ideas don't stop. Oh, that's such a great story. And, you know, you two have so much to be proud of. Um, as you know, I was just so excited to um, receive that book in the mail and dig into it, um, mostly because I've seen some of the ideas that you guys have on Twitter. And um, I just couldn't imagine what this would look like, the power of it all packaged into a book. And, you know, it certainly did not disappoint. And, um, you know, I have to ask for for the people listening that maybe haven't seen the book, what is critical creativity and rigorous whimsy? They're two of the, the more central terms of intention in the book. Yeah, um, excellent questions. Those are both <laughs> very good questions. Um, so critical creativity is a term that others have used in the past. Um, it's one that we didn't know others had used in the past until we started using it. We're like, this can't be the first time someone has put these two words together. And it wasn't. Um, but we've kind of defined it in our work as using the act of creative expression to deepen understanding in meaningful, powerful, and authentic ways. Great. So the idea behind critical creativity is that through the act of creating – you're actually challenging your brain to think more deeply and more purposefully than when you are simply going through an act of um, reader response, um, regurgitation. You know, all these words are going to get these negative connotations because the way I'm saying them. You know, <laughs> like, but but just that basic re you know basic recall, even even like the idea of a word problem. Right, like, well, it's not just basic recall; it's applied, and you're like, but what you just applied it to was a completely nonsensical, um, not even entertaining, not even meaningful way. It was two trains traveling towards each other, and who cares when they pass? Right, like, right. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, just because you made it a word problem doesn't make it crit really critical thinking. You're really just asking kids to pull the numbers out and then insert a label at the end. For, you know for the traditional word problem. Math folks, do not attack me. There are amazing math folks in the world. <laughs> it's just, the English folks uh, diagram terrible sentences sometimes. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of not great practices all over the place. Um, but the idea behind critical creativity is that 
we will become better thinkers if we are better creators. And that's, that's kind of the, the heart of it. And then the rigorous whimsy is the idea that you can have fun and be playful and enjoy the experience of learning and be goofy and ridiculous and challenge and push envelopes of what you know to be true and what you know in your experience and what you've achieved in the past. You can make very meaningful, very complex, multi-layered constructs. You can do incredibly deep thinking and it can be about the most silly and ridiculous things um, that, that it's okay to play in the lands of unicorns and donuts and sparkles <laughs> and still learn a tremendous amount of, of, of things, right? Like these two things do not have to be mutually exclusive. And that's um, my favorite place to play. Right. Right. It's oh, so much fun to play. We, uh, we have our, our mascot for our book is our, we call him our whimsicorn Prufrock. Uh, he's named after uh, the eponymous J. Alfred uh, Prufrock uh, of T.S. Eliot fame. And um, that's, that's, that's what Prufrock represents. It's just like, you know, you, you can have something, you know, wonderfully fantastical and you just put a pair of glasses on it and make him a hipster. And, and you know, <laughs> You have a hipster or whimsicorn. Uh, and what does that mean? What does that say? Well, it, it, what it's really saying is that we can take things seriously and they can be um, playful and fun. And that's, that's okay. Right. And I think that you've captured in there a lot of why um, in, in this modern time, these things are important for teachers and for students in the classroom. And what teacher doesn't want to um, have more rigorous, thoughtful practices and challenge their students and have the students have fun and enjoy being in their classroom. I mean, that's, that's what we're all striving for. Right. And, right. Uh, right. You, you know, and I see the things that you're sharing out there in the world and every time it's like, my mind is blown. And I think, where does this man get these ideas? And I just, <laughs> I just don't know. Um, and I'm just blown away each time by the way um, that that you challenge your students as you're delivering a, a really um, difficult and thoughtful curriculum and, and have the students producing things that I've never seen come out of a classroom before. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thankful that you're sharing them with the world so that I can take a peek into to that. If I could go back and be in an English classroom again, I would certainly pick yours. And uh, I wonder... Aw, that's awful nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, um, was there ever a time when you were not that creative teacher? Or has, has this been Mr. Ryder from day one? Oh, it's... <laughs> yeah. No, I've had my, I had my dark years. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they weren't all in the formative years either. They, they, they come and they go. Um, I, think, I, I, I've, I think from the beginning... Even year one, I was the teacher who had action figures in the room and and wanted us doing things with them, even if the kids didn't want to. Um, I was the teacher who had the music collection, right? So so we did tons with music, tons and tons and tons with music. Um, and it was at the time it was the late '90s, and I was a huge fan of ska punk. So we listened to lots of Less Than Jake and the Aquabats. 
and these bands <laughs> that are just super fun and have there's a lot of heart in their songs too um uh, less than jake especially there's they have some really powerful songs uh and especially if you can look past their like their their onstage shenanigans um you know blink way two and green mm. day from a punk you know from that pop punk's vein um primus and th they're kind of like out there stuff and fish with their psychedelic uh, lyrics and uh, very, very abstract avant-garde poetry to them. Um, right. Yeah, right. So that's so that's the era of music that that I really found my 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 identity forming around um, in, in my late adolescence and early early adulthood. So um, I've always brought that into the classroom and. You know, I, I tried things with Legos, and I tried. We had. I remember my first year of teaching. I taught all the parts of speech, um, all the parts of speech. Yeah, all the parts of speech, using um, what we called celebrity food fight, <laughs> which was <laughs> celebrity death match was a thing that was very popular at the time on MTV, which was the clay figures fighting each other to the death. Right. And and then we had uh, WWE. F at the time and WCW RIP uh, my oh. WCW family uh, <laughs> you know pro wrestling was huge at the time and I was really into it um, and that I, you know I had some struggling challenging students who were really not sure what to do and um, so <laughs> and, and were into what I was putting on the table for work and I was like Let's try this. And what started as like a one week thing led to, I think, a month of working our way through the brackets because we had to have wow. all these celebrities have their food fight and they had to, every kid had to write stories. Every kid had to use all these parts of speech. Um, and it had a lot of things about it that weren't great. But that was the kind of thing I was doing even in my first year of teaching. Um, so, yeah, I guess the answer is I've always been doing it, but have I always been doing it? with thoughtfulness and intention maybe not yeah <laughs> you know, like, like it's like i just want to kind of get kids excited about doing things yeah um, and, and, it, and it worked <laughs> and yeah. i've learned i've learned in my formative years as my muzzle has grayed that <laughs> uh i need to be that much more thoughtful um right and we can really deepen we can deepen understanding if if we are playful like that and we challenge students. Yeah, I think right? that it's part of why I, I love what you do so much because I see a lot of the same influences in the things that I would bring to my classroom, the pop culture and the music and the creative projects. But like you're mentioning there, oftentimes you get so involved in the creativity and building the better project and watching the kids enjoy themselves that the project becomes, uh, you know, a, a beast of its own creation, right? And it's hard to, to kind of wrangle that back in. And a lot of teachers would love to engage students with creative projects like this in the classroom, but they often cite time as a major barrier to um, a lot of the things that, that you talk about in your, your book. So what would you say to the teacher 
who loves your ideas, but, but says he or she simply just can't afford to sacrifice the time or the content that they would otherwise deliver during that time. So what I would say is, tell me about what you just do not enjoy teaching. Tell me about the thing that's just the hardest thing to teach. And I would listen to them. And then I would say, what if you did blank? And I would just throw on the, the table the idea of using the most simple form of creative expression to play around with that idea before they dive into the deeper stuff. Mm. So like, I might say, what if, okay, um, factoring polynomials makes my head hurt. I don't, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But let's use that, okay, factoring polynomials. You say kids just have such a hard time with it because they don't have the number sense or whatnot. I might say, all right, how about at the beginning of class tomorrow, you have them write hashtags. Hashtags about how they feel about factoring polynomials. And hashtags about how they feel about the concepts of math this year that they totally understood. And then hashtags about the concepts of math that they haven't understood at all. Um, mm. And then like throw them up on the, you just throw them up on a marker board, right? What would they stick on a, what, what would they put, put a, uh, you know, what hashtag would they add to a piece of social media about polynomial and then maybe challenge them to make them puns right so the first is just like what are the first things that you think of and the next thing is i want you to try to work in math puns right and just like not long 10 minutes 15 minutes just hmm. as a way of kind of like let's litmus test how the room is feeling about this thing that we're learning but let's do it in a playful way but let's also do it in a way that the only way they're going to actually be able to engage in it is if they know the basics Wow. And, and if they don't know the basics, then they can't, they can't play. You know, they could write limericks. They could write haiku. I love haiku for that reason. It provides structure and form. Almost every kid knows 575, mm-hmm. right? And, and then the next thing you know, they've created something. And then you, so you take that factoring, let's keep going on the factoring polynomials piece. And you say, all right, so how about for the, they have to do a practice set. Okay, cool, I get it. They have to actually be able to do the math. This is important. And what if they also then had to submit after they've done the math, you did those fun haiku about like how I'm feeling, right? But now I want you to write a haiku that demonstrates your understanding of polynomials like and factoring them. Like what is really important to know about this process? But I want you to express that in 575. And a mm. kid might balk and say, what do we have to do that? And you say, it's a challenge. I'm challenging you to think differently. I want you to so understand this math that when I ask you to express it in this bizarre way that you're not necessarily comfortable with, that you're gonna be like, all right, I can do this. Because <laughs> you just wrote a haiku about something else. You can write a haiku about something that you like and know about. Writing a haiku isn't hard. Right. Right. Do you want to do it? Maybe not. And that's okay. But let's have fun with them. Let's have like let's just make them ridiculous. Write me the best one. Let's do a con. You know, you make a contest out of it if you want to, or you just be like, we're going to have a really intense poetry reading later, and we're going to turn down the lights, <laughs> and we're going to, right? Like, which goes to a place that some people aren't comfortable with. But you can just be like, you know what? I'm just going to put the best, the, the ones that I'm enjoying the most, I'm going to put them on a, I'm going to type them onto a keynote, right? And just put them on a slide. At the beginning of class each day for a week, you're going to see a different polynomial haiku up. Right. right? And then, then it becomes for an audience, right? And so then there's those kids who don't want to do it because they don't see a point because no one will read it. Well, then you grab the affective 
that interest level. So then they're contributing and, and maybe weren't before. You get the kids who are worried, you can assure them, I'll keep them anonymous. I'm not going to put the name of the author on it, and I'll let people who want to own them own them. If you don't want to own it, don't own it. But the mm -hmm. point is, I'm having you write this haiku, so I really know whether or not you get this, whether or not you really understand factoring polynomials. And wow. then I'm going to check your number set and make sure you're actually done it, right? But these things don't have to substitute for the math knowledge, right? We can, we can integrate them in at the same time, and they don't have to be month-long exercises or big, giant projects or require art, lots of artistic know-how. That's why the name of the book is Intention. What is your intention? What is your goal with this? And it, even through expressing that, if a kid writes a bad haiku and the syllable count is wrong, who cares? If they're, if they're, if they're trying to, if they're trying to get across the idea that you really want them to get across about factoring polynomials. Right. I've heard so many things in what you've just said there. I mean, to, I hear, <laughs> I, lots of words. there's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just so many things that I could, I could pick out of there that are so important to, um, to the teachers that engage with teaching channel. I'm hearing, um, very concrete ways that you're using these creative, uh, forms as formative and summative assessment in the classroom that are not um, difficult or arduous or time-consuming um, on the part of the teacher lugging projects back and forth, um, but very simple check-in on understanding, but then also, like you mentioned, looking at that number set and saying, you know, have you performed this task and have you met the standard? Um, but you're also touching in on SEL um, in a lot of different spaces there where you're meeting student needs, um, you're, you're giving them um, you're testing, you know, just getting, getting a feel for the classroom and taking their temperature on where they are on a particular day, on a particular topic. Um, you're you're uh, giving them um, anonymity when they need it or an audience um, when they need that instead. And it just it is opening up so many different avenues um, with just one example uh, that you've you've given here. Um, but I've also heard you mention limiting it to time, um, giving yeah. them a structure like a haiku um, or some kind of form that they can follow um, and, and giving them like, okay, well, here's your end goal. We're only going to do this for this much time. Um, and, and, and using then that focus back on SEL to get them on your side and say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do right now. Ready, go. And there, there's an end point to this. Are those some of those constraints that you talk about in, in your book when you talk about putting constraints on the creativity in order to, um, to make sure that you're getting to the learning? Yeah, that is absolutely essential. Um, Amy talks uh, about her mom uh, often, about how her mom said the, the worst jail... I'm going to I'm going to butcher exactly how she phrases it. Um, the way she puts it is really eloquent. But it's basically like the greatest jail you can give a kid is absolute freedom. Hmm. I'm right? sure we've all like, seen that play out in the classroom, right? Like you, right? you, you don't say... think we do, right? Mm -hmm. And in the era of student voice and choice, which becomes a really easy thing to say and a very difficult thing to apply in practice. Um, you can you can provide voice. You can provide uh, you know afford uh, millions of opportunities for student voice. 
and you can afford tons of choices. But if you give them limitless of both, students don't know what to do with that. And the reality is most human beings don't know what to do with that. Exactly. Um, we, we are so defined by the constraints around us. And those of us that learn to thrive within them actually tend to lead better lives, right? Because we're not always looking around going, oh, if only I could, if only I could, if only I could. You say, yeah, but this is where I'm at. And look what I can do with what I have. Um, mm. And you become just better accustomed to it. But really for kids, especially adolescents, I mean, I've worked with um, the most struggling of ninth graders all the way through the most academically motivated of the seniors, right? Like, like just everybody in between. And over that time, I've, I've learned um, when I just give the free choice project, most kids just sit there confused. What really helps them is by giving them clear parameters and what we call creative constraints. The idea is to push creativity and innovation through very intentionally chosen constraints. I give a time constraint on anything that's like multimedia, can't be longer than three minutes, can't be longer than four minutes. Kids say, well, that's arbitrary. I go, well, it's going to go on to a YouTube. Three minutes is kind of prime watchability. People see stuff that's five, they won't watch it. They see stuff that's one, they'll think it's not very interesting or important, right? So three suggests a depth, right? Also, it challenges you to only do the things that are key. Also, it saves me from having to watch a 14-minute terrible movie. <laughs> so, and these are, these are important things in our lives, right? Absolutely. We're, I was talking with a colleague today who's having her students, um, and she's looking to change up how they do presentations, and they're going to make podcasts, three-minute podcasts. Like I said, we're going to make them three minutes long. That is an absolute constraint. Um, we can decide if it has to be three minutes or if it can be no longer than three minutes. It's up to you, but let's use three minutes because you're going to have about 74 of these things to answer or answer to, to respond to. And it's just not tenable to do more than that. But more importantly, three minutes forces kids to make actual decisions. You can't right. just include everything, hoping that if you keep throwing enough stuff on the wall, the thing will stick. Right. Mm -hmm. they, they have to edit. And editing is an art, and editing is critical thinking. And that's right. at that top end of blooms, right? It's a little bit so, like Twitter, like why we appreciate the word limit, right? It's a, right. It's, it's a little bit of a, a craft It's to, to be able to say what you need to say in such a constrained space. Right. And I know some people are like bemoaning the, the, the death of 140, uh, you know, 140 forever. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. Here's where I think... There's still there's still a limitation, right? It's still it's 280 now, right? They just right. doubled it, right? What we have learned is that sometimes creative constraints also breed misunderstanding, confusion, and lack you know, lack of clarity. And I think Twitter is an excellent example of now that people can afford more context, there's a lot less confusion mm -hmm. and. Now you've got 280 to work inside of, and that's also a beautiful constraint. You know, mo most of the time, Twitter, for a lot of people, Twitter felt like an inside game because if you didn't know how to, how to you know, abbreviate in, and speak Twitter speak, there, you, did, you felt like you couldn't come to the table. Exactly. Right? And, and, and for what reason? For what, what, what value does that present? I get 
the importance of being clever with your tweets, but sometimes it, it, it doesn't challenge you to be creative. It didn't challenge you to say things in a more meaningful way, necessarily. <laughs> it challenged you to like try to find a way to say it in as few characters as possible and still convey meaning and hope to God nobody got upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I think I think uh, I think it's okay that it expanded because of the role that Twitter is now playing in our culture and our society. Exactly, right? and it like grows grows a little every day. Started, why don't we just have Twitter Classic? You know, it'll just be like the red and white Twitter, and you know, Twitter Cola Classic, and everyone <laughs> will be happy, and then people can enjoy the taste of new Twitter. And if new Twitter needs to go away, it, it will. Right. Like, and then we'll just have Twitter Classic again. And no one will know why they call it Twitter Classic. Very good. Yes. And, you know, for those um, who may have interacted with you on Twitter, they do know that you are the king of the creative hashtag. <laughs> I do try. Yes, yes. And um, you do win the hashtag game. And um, that, that kind of brings me to uh, one unique feature um, about your book uh, that, that is, is rare. Um, about a, a, a static and printed text. And, and that's just the point, right? Um, the idea of it being static and finished is something that you and Amy did not, um, did not care for. Um, so your book comes with an open invitation to the reader to engage with you and with Amy as a part of your network of educators and creatives and design thinkers. So what's been happening out there online around create, critical creativity and rigorous whimsy? It's been super fun. Um, what we did is we, we added a, a hashtag for every activity. There's 40 plus activities. We call them pathways um, in the book. Uh, uh, pathway is intentionally chosen. Ha, intention. Oh, so funny. <laughs> um, but we call them pathways, not lesson plans, because the idea is that this is just one way to go about doing it. It's a very descriptive, very detailed way to go about doing it because we know some people thrive when they when they have have it laid out so they can really see the whole thing. Um, so that's why we provide it. But we want to emphasize the idea that everything is is open to remix. Everything is open to change. Everything is open to interpretation and adding your own flavor on it. Like this isn't the way to do it, and it it's just a way to do it. It's a pathway. So um, we came up with a hashtag for each pathway. So that since Amy and I built our bonds and our understanding um, together via the internet and using hashtags and following fun rabbit holes, we thought we should extend that to our readers and, and build a community out of it. So if you look up any of our activities, look up intention color, or if you look up uh, intention one word, uh, you can find uh, these people posting examples of what they've done and what their students have done, uh, questions that they have, ideas that they have. We have a hashtag intention the book as well as hashtag intention the book chat. Our good friend Kevin Day out in California, he he jumped right onto the wagon of like, can we start a Twitter chat? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so there's like this ongoing slow chat on intention the book chat. And sometimes it's extra slow. Um, but what's, it's, what's great is when when someone else gets the book and they they hop on board um, and they start sharing 
their ideas. Our, our favorite thing to see, really, I think, I, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but we want everyone to doodle in the book. We want everyone to, to sketch note it and mark it up and make that book their own. And people taking pictures of it and posting those is amazing. I'm so because trying to do that. I'm trying, you know, it's oh. just... I have a block with coloring on books. And I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the, the irony is I hate writing in books. Like, like this was a idea that we said to each other. And I'm like, that's such a great idea. And I'm thinking it back in my head. I would never do that. But, but I love I love it in theory so much um, that I just have, like, I, we had to go with it. You know, exactly. like, I, I just had to. I want um, to accept that invitation. I want to do this. I'm just so afraid I'll mess up the book. Um, I, know, I know. Don't worry. You can buy another one. It'll be that's fine. true. That's true, right? It's multiple <laughs> copies. Um, but I know, I know. But it's been pretty amazing to see see what people have done with it. Um, and then, of course, the other thing, that, the biggest reward is to see student work. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I saw some, some high iconography recently. Um, I saw... Um, some blackout poetry that was inspired by the book um, and the pathway that we provided for doing that. I mean, blackout poetry isn't something that we invented. Um, we just provide um, we provide our kind of spin on it, a couple of different spins on it, and then how to integrate it into different content areas. In fact, that's like one of the things that we're super proud of with the book is that for every pathway we provide, at least three different content area integrations and we try really hard to go dramatically from one end of a spectrum to another so it's like here's a a a math and you know here's a math integration idea here's a um health and physical education uh integration idea and here's a a modern languages integration idea all in the same all coming from the Mm. same path right so that people can kind of think outside the box see how we would approach it in different ways um, and see some opportunities that are sitting there. And then we also just provide like a basic alignment to the more obvious, like natural fits. Ones that were like, you know what, if you're looking for something to do in your, um, oh, science class, you, there's an index and you can just go right to the to the science ones mm-hmm. and see the already said like, this will be good for science. You know, and, I love that. Yeah, a- <laughs> I love that about this book because each of the of the the pathways that you have do have ideas for different disciplines and how it might function within that discipline, and it's not the same disciplines each time. Um, so a lot of times teachers will um, be a little frustrated when, say, they're from uh, world languages or um, maybe a um, like a more shop related or music or foods. Or heck, even sometimes social studies, because a lot of the lesson plans will cater to English, math, science, um, and there's not a practical application for them to look at. And that's not true with the resources in your in your book. Um, so that right. that's very refreshing. And uh, you know, I know our teach community really loves resources that they can take and use right now, and they're going to find how many of those in your book. Uh, at least 40. Wow. There's 40 pathways. And then the front of the book, it's kind of like our, the the first third of the book is kind of our theory and our thinking. And in there, you'll find even more ideas. Um, 
and then every pathway has you know the basic has the basic idea you know the basic activity and then all these others and you can go on like i feel like such a shill right now and i'm don't care <laughs> you can go on to uh, intention the book online uh, intention the book dot online and you can actually see a whole bunch of previews um we put on four different pathways up uh, as well as a couple of the other um chunks from our, our kind of philosophy area you can kind of see exactly what one of our activities and pathways look like and you can get you know you can download the ones that are up there for free um i think there's four currently and um try them out and see how they work but you can get a sense of like how of exactly what you're getting and you if you can imagine 36 more of those with mm. everything from uh the organization we, we we like to to create with different things and challenge ourselves so we categorize it by the types of stuff we create with. So it's like creating with images, creating with sounds, creating with the human body, creating with um, uh, uh, text, you know, creating with print, creating with I should say, creating with words. Um, and and we, you know, so we had those different these different categories, six different categories. So the idea being, you can you can either look through for your content area or you can look through the type of activity you want you're looking for something more kinesthetic go right to the you know creating with the body you're looking to do something really visual go right to creating with images um, right. whatever whatever experience you're looking for we try to get something in there and we pack the book so full we're like we really should have done two books but <laughs> it's fine <laughs> we'll come up with more but i think we think 350 pages is a pretty good value so absolutely um, we're, we're called the phone book for a reason and you know, um, and not I, because it's my favorite line from from Steve Martin's <laughs> jerk. You know, I think the new phone book is here. <laughs> I think that um, our teachers here that are listening, um, you know, even if um, they don't have the book handy, they can then take a look at Twitter at some of the hashtags. They could take a look at the website, download a couple activities, and try out. Um, some of the ideas and and test some of your theories in the classroom right now then right yeah yeah absolutely and reach out to us amy and i are both really approachable um like i i say that and that's kind of self-flattering but we really are i swear it's like, totally we true love talking to people and sharing ideas and we get inspired by the people around us like it it, it never ends i i mean, you're and you inspire me not just in a classroom Aww. But I have been watching your growth as an educator and a leader, but also in improv. Well, thank and you. And I am so blown away by what you are doing thank on an you. improv day now. Oh, man. I am like, I knew her when. Uh-huh. How about I'm, that? <laughs> I'm loving it. I am loving it. So... Yes, and then another thing we share, right? And I'm, I'm right? sure, and I, I find, I'm sure the same, same with me, I'm finding that um, in a remix of my own, the design thinking and the improv and the storytelling and the, the writing and all of those pieces um, really do cross over for me in a lot of the creativity work um, that I find myself doing in education. And so a lot of the ideas that you put forth really make sense. Yay. I'm glad. Yeah. So <laughs> because it'd be really awkward if they didn't. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You you then you would just be that teacher, right? Um I'd just be that guy. Well, he's so weird. I still get he's so weird. 
but that's a it's a good weird, yeah, good right? Yeah. It's a good but weird. I love, it. I love I love it, and I should yeah, and that's why I I, I have a new role. Uh, I know my title in the, my intro is um, the Eng- English teacher by title, but now I have a new new title. I'm now um, our education director of our new success and innovation center. Ah, which great! Just gives me so much more opportunity to work with all the different classrooms and all the different learners in our campus. And um, yeah, I handle the teacher side of it. We have a social worker there. We, we both collaborated on pretty much everything. Um, but it's just been amazing to be able to help kids of all different sorts find pathways to creating in order to, to be successful. So it's, it's great. Perfect for you. I love it. And one yeah. last real quick question for you before we close up. Um, you talk a lot about reimagining and remixing in the book. Do you think that teachers can reimagine or remix some of the ideas or the suggested activities and use them in their own professional learning as Yes. A... Yeah. Oh, it's okay. my will. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, to close it out. It's ah. like the best. That's what I kind of <laughs> try to do um, uh, when I do workshops. It's like 50% applying to the classroom, but it's 50% for yourself, right? So to do check-ins of your own thinking, to, um, you know, write a song about how your, you know, how your day is going. <laughs> you know, nice. take, take, a, take the lyrics to your favorite song and just remix them and play around and think, all right, what was that saying about where my teaching is at? You know, and, and, then, and then push yourself to, to, to play in that space of just being playful and singing. You know, if you're just driving in the car, just singing along, making up your own words to a song about how your day is going. And then how your teaching's going, and then where you want to go as a teacher, and what you wish kids were doing, but you happen to be singing along to like a Kesha tune, or <laughs> you know, a Kendrick Lamar ditty, or something, you know, like whatever you want to do, like whatever whatever type of music is your thing, um, things like that. I'd like to do that in, in the the workshops that, that we do, um, because it gets us thinking about ourselves, and it also gets us into those creative spaces. And we get to feel that discomfort that we want our students to feel, but to work their way out of, right? We don't want them to stay in that spot. We right. want them to, to emerge from that. So, well, I think that that the, is definitely that innovating. Book, yeah. Definitely innovating. To do. Yes, innovation and right. in, in teacher learning, right? Uh, definitely a new way to right. reflect and evaluate. And um, I wish that yeah. we can continue to talk all night, but I do know that you are a busy man and have uh, have got to run. Um, so I, I, I will. Do. I have to go moderate a Twitter chat this evening. There so. you go. Because um, Twitter is life. <laughs> it is. So, um, you know, I know that our listeners can find you on Twitter uh, most of the time at Wicked Decent and interact with both you and Amy there about intention. Uh, critical creativity in the classroom and we will be posting some resources uh, with this podcast so that uh, our listeners at teaching channel and a, a part of the teach community can engage with some of those ideas and uh, we can all keep working to get better together um, so I thank you so much for joining us to talk a little bit about your work and your great ideas and uh, oh thank you so much for having me like I can't I can't thank you enough. It's 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 awesome. I'm so a. I'm so glad we're friends. Ah, uh, me too. I'm so glad you reached out and said, "Hey, come <laughs> come do this thing with me." 
Excellent. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So best wishes. Have me back anytime. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to count on that. Uh, I'm going to write that down that day you said. And um, best wishes with this book. I know it has been hot and hard to keep on the shelves. Um, and I, I am going to um, engage a little bit more. So maybe you'll see some of my songs on the internet soon. Oh, I hope so. All right. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye.